As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Before we jump in, I want to tell you about New York Times Audio, a new iOS app for New York Times news subscribers. It's got our show, plus all the other podcasts from The Athletic, exclusive shows, narrated articles, and more. New York Times Audio. Download it now at nytimes.com slash audio app. Welcome, everybody, to the Football GM Podcast. Mike Sando of The Athletic here, along with the GM, Randy. Where are we catching up with you this week? I am in Idaho currently, kind of getting a little R&R, but at the same time, uh, doing plenty of work for the athletic now that you've roped me into the full-time yeah, athletic right. gig. So, Yeah, well, R&R stands for research, and what's the other one? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I hear uh-huh. you. <laughs> yeah, research for the podcast, which we've been doing. We, we've, we've actually have more stuff to talk about this week than you might think for a June 7th, is when we're recording, uh, to go live on June 8th. Uh, with some some moves around the league, but Randy, the thing that stole the show yesterday was, or in this week, was a situation in golf. And we're not a golf podcast, so we're not going to be <laughs> talking about you know birdies and eagles. But I do think there's some applications for NFL and sports in general. In fact, uh, just to, to to summarize it quickly, uh, you know the PGA Tour for the last few years has been holding off the Saudi backed live tour and criticizing them and calling into question the morality of of entering into business with this Saudi tour based on human rights violations, based on 9-11, obviously. And yet a lot of high profile players from the PGA tour have jumped to the the live tour for a ton of money. And so after all this years and years of the of the PGA tour saying, uh, you know, how could anybody even stomach uh, going to live, they've basically <laughs> sold out to live, uh, for lack of a better term, and and are in business with them. And so, one of the things we've seen, Randy, is people saying, "Hey, wow, the, the Saudis with the the limited unlimited cash, they could buy an NFL team." And I go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait a minute! You think these guys are going to try to buy a team so they can get on the competition committee? <laughs> you know, maybe affect the kickoff rule? I think we're thinking way bigger than that, don't you?" Well, I would tend to agree, Mike. I don't think it, to answer your question specifically, they they can't buy an NFL team because they would. It's a club, 
and they would get voted out for whatever reason. Not the highest bidder gets all, in all the time. You, and wait, there are, you believe that though? What if they offered uh, twenty billion? You think they wouldn't? No be chance. In? No chance. Okay. I don't think the league would ever let them in. I just think it's a far fetched uh, example of what's right and wrong. And I think they would the league would steer clear of it. It's just too controversial right now. I think that's what makes the the live partnership with the PGA now is the fact that. Yeah, maybe it makes sense on paper, but we'll see if it makes sense off paper and in society and and how is it going to be covered. I guess my first inclination was this is awesome for golf, everybody back together. But the more you piece together the the construction of the partnership, I'm not sure. I mean, time will tell. What what if there's uh, some kind of uh, international incident or event where where they've you know, done something that's deeply offensive to the United States. And now you're, mm-hmm. you, the, there's a PGA tour have to put out a statement. Uh, that was that. But what I thought of was, right. uh, what I really thought of was not a, not buying into the league. What's to stop if money's no object, what's to stop just starting a league? Cause you've been in the NFL mm-hmm. for a lot of years, but when you were, you know, we look at the USFL or you look at, uh, the AFL or you look at, uh, the, you know, the XFL, the AAFL, for the most part, they ran out of money. I mean, that, that's right. the main issue. But could you imagine if if a league were started up with unlimited funds under the auspices of not, hey, we need return on investment for our money, more we want relevance and we want a foothold in, in America in a really popular sport. Uh, what would happen, Randy, if a league was started up and they just said, hey, you know what, Joe Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert are coming up. Uh, how about four years and two billion each? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Mahomes, would you play for five billion? I mean, just ridiculous amounts of money mm-hmm. that that we're not used to talking about because we're our minds are in the framework of a CBA and oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, and the league, look out, Roger Goodell might find you. You know, this type of stuff. That's not the world that we're talking about. Right. We'd be talking about a whole other. Uh, entity, if that were to happen, players would go, right? Just like in golf. Yeah, the concept is a little bit startling. And, and you're right. Why not take the country's, you know, number one uh, money-making machine, right, in, in sports and, and do something about it? Um, it's really no different than the original USFL, in my mind, in 1983, mm-hmm. when they signed the, the stars of the league and college kids who were projected to go really high, whether it was you know, Herschel Walker, Steve Young, Reggie, Ke- I mean, uh, Jim Kelly, Reggie White. These yeah. were players that became Hall of Fame football players. So they weren't picking off the bottom of the rosters like some of the spring leagues have. These are giant names in the business. And and you brought up the CBA part. What if the CBA existed and it was in favor of the players and, and all the other things that the players wish for. That's really what got the golfers to go to live, right? It was all the other things as well. It, it was a bigger piece of the pie. It was all of that stuff. And it, 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 it's, it's kind of, it, it could be, uh, you know, something like that. And we're just sitting here surmising, but uh, it's not, not far-fetched. It's not as far-fetched as you think if indeed the, Printing of money is not an object. That's the bottom line, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I, like, I could even believe, you know, the, the Jay Monahan, the head of the PGA Tour, is, I think, rightfully under fire and being called a hypocrite, this or that. Mm-hmm. But I think he was probably leveraged into this position. I mean, he he could have genuinely felt in the early stages that this is a uh, this is a an affront, and that there's no way we would want to enter into 
some sort of a thing with with the, with the Saudis. And and yet once there was enough leverage going the other way, suddenly you're doing the very deal that you said you didn't want to do. And I, I was just struck with Bryson DeChambeau, one of the top golfers who's on live. He's on CNN this week justifying it, uh, talking about forgiveness yeah. for 9-11. And, and yeah. these guys are all about peace and love, about a better world. You know, and the, and the host having to come back and say, you know, wait a minute, they just murdered a, a journalist from the Washington Post, right? You're good with that? <laughs> and so I, I think it's just fascinating to me how quickly that turned. And like you you had said, hey, the, the league would resist them buying a team. But uh, if you have a league, you could suddenly be in a totally different situation where I don't think Roger Goodell would be any different than Jay Monahan, right? If, if you if the financial interest of the long, long-term interest of the league suddenly were twisted that way, what are you going to do? Well, I think it's definitely a, a different game when you're talking about what what really was a hostile takeover, right? I mean, that's really what yeah. it was and what uh, an assault on the NFL would be, a starting of another league with unlimited budget. I mean, if you could identify the right players in the right situation, then it becomes something that people will pay to watch on TV. And I think that's probably where Liv fell short is that they did get some good players, but the, the popularity of NFL stars is, is at another level above where the PGA players are. And then you start to, to pick off the, the core players of NFL teams. You, you're probably, you know, again, it's if money is unlimited, that's kind of the idea that the only way it would work is if you just were, like you said, not yeah. wanting to balance the books per se, at least in, in the first few years, and just wanted to kind of start yeah. your own league. I'm not going to say it's impossible, that's for sure. I think yeah. a lot of courtroom battles would ensue. Obviously, a TV deal would have to follow, but it's not as crazy as it sounds uh, because yeah. uh, players, you know, they defected for issues and, and other things that were going on. And, and if a new league offered them answers to all these things, not only the billions like you talked about, but everything else, you'd probably get your fair share of players to jump ship. It's just a fascinating thing because, you know, five, ten, ten years ago, if you, not that I'm some sort of golf expert, but 10 years ago, I can't imagine that people were talking about this sort of thing could happen. Yep. You just would never think of it in a hundred years, especially to go back 20 years ago. We're coming right out of nine 11. You'd say, there's no way this sort of thing could happen. And here we are. So that was just kind of a, a thought exercise for me. It was like, that we sort of would think no way. Or our first thing, our first thought might be, well, could they go after a team? I just, think you have to think bigger than that you know i agree with you i think there are mechanisms in place that would really give a lot of pushback for a smaller scale team takeover like you said but when you start talking about a whole new league and operating on totally different grounds where you don't need in this case you wouldn't need the nfl's approval or anybody else's no that that's that's scary money now having said that it is a giant step probably times 10 to run a professional football league as opposed to talk some individual oh, yeah. golfers into jumping ship. It's Absolutely. a total different budgetary, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Organizational. Uh, yeah. Logistics. Right. Oh. Logistics, the whole thing. Yeah. Hey, ask one of these spring team league owners and, and see how much it costs. But again, you, you have to assume if money's no object, then well, I guess anything's possible. You know? And what you do then, too, is you would, you would hire, uh, you would pay a ton of money 
for either someone who's recently retired from a top executive role at the league office, or you, you'd get people in who know what they're doing, right? Yeah, you find it, your Greg Norman or something like that to yeah. identify talent, and yeah. yeah. Just like these, just like uh, shoot, the you know the XFL or these other leagues, they're they're. I mean, you were hired as someone who knows what he's doing in personnel, or mm-hmm. or you know, Bill Polian's been brought in on mm-hmm. certain things. Uh, there's people like that around who do know what they're doing and could do it. So, and then there's people that are at teams now, or former GMs who are now national scouts somewhere, or whatever. There's there's plenty of people that mm-hmm. if it was presented in the right way with the biggest amount of with a, the amount of dollar signs. Uh, you know, do, uh, not, the right amount of zeros on there would be tempting for anybody, you know. And so, uh, like, I, I think in defense of, of some of these live guys, it's like it's really easy to say you would never do something until that check's sitting there for for $500 million. And that's not a choice yeah. that most of us have. But if you did, no. it would be very difficult to walk away from it, as we've seen. Right. So No, I agree. Interesting concept, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run? Take a nap? Read a book? Show up for a friend? Show up for yourself? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Showing up for yourself, that's a big one. That's exactly what therapy is, doing what you need to do, carving out the time that you need to make sure that you can show up for yourself and take care of what you need. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Maze today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Maze. All right. So more uh, the money of sports, the money of gambling uh, is in the news this week with obviously NFL players and officials, for that matter, being strictly prohibited from gambling on the league. The Colts' Isaiah Rogers is the most recent player in trouble on that front. Uh, Meanwhile, of course, the league's in all these partnerships with gambling companies. And did you see the story about Bill Belichick, like really going hard on his team about, you know, the do's and don'ts of this? It, It seems like a potential fire here that could get out of control, doesn't it? 
Well, I thought it from the get-go. When they got in bed with the gambling aspect of this, you knew some things like this were going to come up. I think it's, and again, my 35 years or so in the league, there was, at least in my opinion, plenty of dialogue between front offices, between coaches, players. Everybody knew gambling was taboo. There were, yeah. and you know, you've been in a million NFL locker rooms too. There were signs on the wall. There are signs oh, yeah. everywhere saying, hey, you can do this. You can't do that. I thought it was a, a clear message that you had to stay away from any of this stuff. In fact, I think my contract for years it had a had a, a paragraph in there stipulating that it wasn't just NFL betting. You couldn't even bet. You couldn't even go to the horse track, you know, yeah. legally or do any of this stuff. And and we all have seen what gambling has become. So I I figured the education of everybody involved was going to have to take to the next level. And I don't know that that ever happened. Obviously, some of the players didn't get the memo, but it's going to be an ongoing education and that it's it's a slippery slope, I'm telling you, on how to govern and how to communicate with everybody involved at, at the team level because they're the ones that affect these games. And, and when you start, you know, the integrity of the game is has always been the number one issue that whether Roger was the commissioner or Paul Tagliabue was the commissioner or Gene Upshaw was the CBA uh, president, it was always first and foremost was the integrity of the game. And when you introduce this kind of partnership with an entity whose agenda is totally different than what you've done for a hundred years in the NFL, you you figured there's going to be some some cracks. And 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 we as we found, some players have slipped through the cracks. Uh, and, and said they aren't aware and didn't know, and, and now they're paying the price. To me, it's the same thing as, as the PGA situation, where the PGA, for like I said, for those years, oh, we, we would never enter, you know, the Saudis, forget about it. And then when the money's enough, oh, you know, it's, it's okay. The league for years, oh, my gosh, gambling, no, scourge of the league, can't be associated with it at all. Oh, wait a minute, it's a, there's a profit thing here, and this is the way society is going. Yep, let's do it. We're not morally yeah. opposed at all. We'll take the money and— and run with it, and now they're going to have to deal with, I would think, up maybe in the future, another level of sophistication, too, as players maybe find ways around it. Because I think they'll still enjoy, people will enjoy to gamble, and it's easy to gamble. Maybe there'll be ways they can do it through a relative or a friend or a different account, but I think it's just going to be here to stay. Oh, I think it's here to stay. The cat's out of the bag. And when you start talking about certain people's paychecks being reflective of gambling revenues that the league brings in, it's going to be hard to reel it back, especially when some of this money at some point is going to be given to the players as part of a salary cap. You know, when that all gets ironed out, that this cap is going to do nothing but go up. And for these reasons, it's there's so much money involved that sometimes decisions get compromised. And we've talked about it here on the show many times that I always felt like when Paul Tagliabue was the commissioner and Gene Upshaw was the, the executive director of the NFLPA, that always the good of the game came at the end of most decisions. And I don't know that we can say that anymore. The good of the game has kind of been pushed aside and revenues drive everything. And as we know, money changes certain yeah. things and aspects and agendas and everything else when it gets to this level. And it's a hard one. What I do really enjoy, though, Randy, uh, is I love the odds and the numbers and all of that type of stuff because there is obviously a value put on it that is – fun to look at and as we're sort of evaluating where teams rank in the pecking order those that type of uh, structure of you know win totals or odds uh, I love it I love to look through that so what mm -hmm. we've done here uh, 
Uh, certainly, I don't think we were really on a gambling high horse, but if we were, we're dismounting that horse now, uh, <laughs> a moral high horse. We're getting off of that horse, and we're. Uh, I sort of stacked in here this week. Good idea from Randy, I think. Let's just go through some of these, uh, uh, you know, win totals or bets that we like or don't like. Because uh, I think there's a football conversation to be had around some of these either. And so if you can just envision here, if you're listening, uh, I, I put down the kind of over-under win totals. Uh, I think I pulled them from BetMGM. Uh, and and so you could see like whatever, Cincinnati, Kansas City, and San Francisco 11 and a half, right? All the way down. I think it's Arizona maybe. Houston and Arizona at five and a half for their, for their win totals in a 17-game season. Uh what ones stand out to you as potential values or bad values and why? Well, I think in, in for the listeners, just pretend somebody gave you a hundred bucks and said, Hey, you got to wager on some NFL type, you know, it could be a, a prop bet. It could be an MVP bet. It could be a, a win total or, or win uh, under or over. Uh, the first thing that jumped at my mind, if I was listing out best bets, I think the Green Bay Packers over 7.5 wins. For me, I had conviction that that's going to happen. I just think this is too good of a team. I think the Aaron Rodgers uh, leaving narrative has taken hold of Vegas, and and the 7.5 to me seems really low. I guess maybe I have more faith in Jordan Love. I have more faith in Matt LaFleur. I have more faith that this team, and and you, you mapped it out for me, Mike, and when you picked all these or mentioned all the number one picks that they have on defense. This is a, a really talented team on both sides of the ball. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers did a lot of justice last year, to be honest with you. I think Jordan Love should be able to pick up the slack. I think he's going to be fine. And I just think at seven and a half, I think the Packers are going to win nine or 10 games. And so for me, the the 7.5 would be an easy one where I would probably house a little money and, and, you know, I don't know. I, I that Isn't just seemed that, yeah. low to me. And most of the time, I mean, we all know this, this is not earth shattering. Vegas gets it right. They, they yeah, know yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they know what they're doing. So, I'm, so that's just yeah. my first one anyway. So my counter to that would be uh, that yes, Aaron Rodgers had a you know, bad season last year for whatever reason. I mean, maybe he, his mentally, he wasn't all the way there. Certainly hurt his thumb. Maybe he declined some, whatever the reason, he wasn't a star uh, last year like he had been in the past, wasn't able to really lift them up like he has uh, at other times. But I do think that uh, Matt LaFleur coming in as kind of an offensive head coach without a lot of experience in a lot of big responsibility roles. Yep, we talked about I think it. he's very untested because I think when you, when you have the superstar quarterback who really runs the show, you don't really worry as much about game management, uh, running the two-minute drill, uh, when to call the timeouts, uh, just running the offense in general. Now, there may be a little bit of a headache sometimes because Rodgers wants to do his own thing. But by and large, there's a little bit of an autopilot built in where, where Rodgers is really running a lot of the show. And I think that could be that LeFleur could be tested like he's never been tested before and evaluated and scrutinized. Uh, as an offensive coach like he never has been before because everything that's been about Rodgers. No one's really, other than after that game in the playoffs, you know, when they uh, when they made a decision that Rodgers didn't like on whatever it was, third and eight or fourth and eight, whatever it was, um, you know, the Fleur got 
into the crosshairs a little bit, but I don't know if we know how good of an offensive coach he is. Do you, what do you think about that, or do you feel that you're, you feel like he's, he's, he is good? Well, I think he is, I agree with you, somewhat untested, but this is year four, right, for him? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he has been through some battles. Um, I, I agree a little bit with you that Aaron Rodgers always had the reins, so that was kind of a pretty good safety net for him. Um, I think in year four, you're a much better head coach than you were in year one or two. So I don't put a whole bunch of, you know, uh, learning curve still as part of the issue with him. I do think his role has changed now and and he is the fall guy and it is all on him. Same can be said for Joe Barry on defense. They've got to be better on defense. I agree with that. I just think it's a really talented team. And I think one that that should be able to win, like I said, nine or 10, but even if it's just eight, Eight, you, you win the bet. You win the bet. So, you know, yeah. I'm not looking to reinvent the wheel here. I'm just looking for a value where I might put a, a you know, a dollar or two. And that, to me, jumped out. I think I think there are a lot of factors involved with that. I think Minnesota, for one, is going to be less lucky. There's no way the Vikings can be as lucky as they oh, were last man. year. <laughs> so that rabbit's foot is playing out. I think Detroit is still a work in progress. I'm not ready to anoint and crown Detroit yet. I think there you might find a little bit of a learning curve still. I think that is one that, uh, you know, and I, and I like Dan Campbell. I think he's a good coach, but there's some things that he's done in the past clock management wise and some of these other things that I don't know if we're over that hurdle yet. So I think those two things alone and Chicago, I think Justin Fields is going to be better. I think they will be better because they're in the, they're in the second year of a Luke Getze offense. They're going to be better. Um, but I just think Green Bay has too much talent for all those teams to just sit by the wayside. The other thing is, I think that the Aaron Rodgers narrative saga sideshow three ring circus hurt that team. That's just my opinion. And I think the the McAfee, the whole management of of his diatribe every week wore people <laughs> yeah. wore people out. That's just my opinion. I think yep. it wore people out. And I don't think there's anybody in the management side that is sorry to see that go. Now, Jordan Love may not be Aaron Rodgers in the first five weeks of the season, but I think Aaron Rodgers wilted a little bit, 38, 39 years old, whatever he is and was. I just think Jordan Love might give them a little breath of fresh air, and, and we, I think we're going to be surprised. And, and I'm not saying the Packers are going to win a Super Bowl. I'm just saying they're going to win yeah, eight or more games. Yeah, and before we get to you, you have another team you've circled here. Um, I've got a couple here that just of note. Um one, just a 30,000-foot view, not too much into the weeds, but there's three teams that are kind of middle of the Packer eight-and-a-half totals in Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Seattle. And I'm just looking at, at from the 30,000-foot view, that's John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, and Pete Carroll. And they're yeah. just – you kind of just put them down for nine wins even when things don't go great. Uh, you know, unless you're really overly concerned about a, they have a terrible quarterback situation, like like last season when Seattle went with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. I mean, look, it worked out great, but going into the year, you could have been worried that it could be really bad. But I feel like they've got at least, you know, in Lamar Jackson, you have the potential to have an upper tier quarterback, and in Pittsburgh and Seattle, maybe you're middle. But mm-hmm. with those coaches, like to me. I'd probably rather have above eight and a half than under. Uh, and they were probably around that last season anyway, you know, uh, above it. So I don't know what you think about that as a theory uh, of just good coaches. I like it a lot. I think you're right on with those calls. Um, I'm not, I think the Steelers for me are a team that 
at eight and a half. I know this, he hasn't had an under 500 team yeah. yet, right? Last time yeah. I checked. Yeah. And I think Kenny Pickett in year two is going to be better than Kenny Pickett was in year one. I loved what they did in the draft. We've talked about it here yeah. on the show. I think the Steelers yep. are an underplayed value as well. I think they would be one of my teams that if yeah. I had the other half of a dollar, I'd, I'd probably look at, at, at them as well. I think, yeah, you can say the Browns are going to be better. You can say since he's, you know, since he, yeah. Um, but still, I think a Mike Tomlin coach team, and the reason I think we're you're on the right track with that is those coaches have lived the ups and downs of an NFL season, and it is a grind. It's longer than ever. It's 17 weeks plus the bye week. It is really hard to manage your team through the ups and downs, the thick and thin. Trust me, I've done it for years. It's really hard to keep the team on the rails, but Harbaugh, Tomlin, Pete Carroll, I, you're right. Every year we say, gosh, they need to fix something. And guess what? They fix it. Yeah. And eight <laughs> and a half. It. Yeah, and eight and a half's not what we're used to. Eight and a half on a 16 game season is a little different. You know, eight yep, and a half yep. on 17, you give them an extra game here to get to nine. Yep. You know, uh, you know, I sort of like that. What's the other team beside you? You mentioned Green Bay. What's the other one you got circled here? The other team that I think is undervalued that I think is, is reasonably priced, uh, it's the Miami Dolphins at nine and a half even. I think Miami's going to be really good. I think they've continued to add on defense. Obviously, they got Jalen Ramsey. I think the the addition, the additions that they've continued to make to an already really talented team on offense are good. Everybody always says now, well, it's just a matter of keeping Tua healthy. You know how I feel about Mike White. I, I Tua may or may not be healthy, but I think they're better prepared and have insurance now against him going down. And I think they have a chance to to move on if something were to happen to Tua. So I don't think they're putting all their eggs into one basket. I think that's just my feeling. I think yeah. the guy is an NFL quarterback. So I think they are prepared to, to go on. Plus, now we have Vic Fangio on defense, who I don't care what you say, his defense is yeah. going to be good. It's going to be tested. They're going to be well-drilled. He's going to know exactly what he's asking of them, and they're going to know the same thing. I just like that setup. And I think I'm not ready to drink the Jets Kool-Aid, that they're the greatest thing in the world at this point. Um, I do think Buffalo is good. And I know everybody's saying oh, yeah. the Buffalo window is closing. closing. You know, I yeah. don't know. They've doubled down. And we're going to talk about some of the signings that they've made. I don't think New England is as talented as they should be, can be, are, are thought to be. So I think that's a little bit of a struggle as well. So I just like the Dolphins. I, don't, I wouldn't shock me at all if the Dolphins won 11, 12 games. Yeah, I had a couple teams that I wondered if they were, if the number was a little high that I might uh, go on the lower side on. Even though Arizona's at five and a half, um, and as you had talked about before, you know, yeah. we're sort of not even sure if Kyler Murray's going to play this year, right? And, and we we know they're kind of set up for the future, and they have Colt McCoy, who's eleven and twenty five as a starter over whatever ten years or so. So he's won yeah. about thirty one percent. So. If we just apply that to 17 games times 31%, you're at 5.2. You're kind of on the low side. But I don't know that he can last a season. I think they could be playing somebody else. I see them as a likely – see if you think about this. Do you think they're a bottom eight team on both offense and defense? Do you think they are? They are on offense for sure. I'd have to look a little closer at the defense, but I I don't you – know, They I lost think a lot. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I don't think they're – a five-win team. I guess to win a bet, they'd have to be a six-win team. I, yeah. I don't see it either, so I, I'm concurring. Yeah. I'm with you. So they may be better than that. If they're better than a defense, good job, Jonathan Gannon, yeah. new defensive yeah. coach. But, you know, J.J. Watt's gone. A bunch of other, you know, some other guys are gone. So I just looked, hey, 
The last 15 years, there's 37 teams that are bottom eight on offense and defense. They average 3.4 wins. 33 of the 37 didn't win in a high enough percentage to go over five and a half. So that's just a place where, look, if they if they were under that, people might see it as good because they're going to they have all these draft picks and stuff. They could be in the market for whatever. This just doesn't feel like a year where they're really um, positioned. Another, there's two other teams where the quarterback situations worry me. Um, one is the Raiders. I think going from Derek Carr and Jarrett Stidham to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer, and Aiden O'Connell um, is really risky because uh, Garoppolo doesn't make it through the whole season a lot. He's not even healthy necessarily now. They have a tough schedule too. So the Raiders at seven and a half. If Jimmy Garoppolo misses six or seven games, which is really feasible, and you don't have a Mike White, right? You don't have even a Stidham. Um, and then you have a team where the coach is trying to win over the locker room, right? I mean, mm-hmm. some of these guys, Waller and these guys, wanted out of there or got out of there. So um, I could see that being a place that I might take the under of seven and a half. What do you think of that? Yeah, I wouldn't dispute you on that. I think it is a risky spot right now. I think the Raiders have made some decisions that, for me, are somewhat questionable. And you mentioned the quarterback stuff. I don't think it's a matter of Jimmy G making it through 17 games. Does he ever do that? No. And let's just say he does. Do you have more faith in Josh McDaniels than Kyle Shanahan in calling the game as it's based on his skill set of Jimmy G at this point? I felt like for the last couple of years, Kyle Shanahan called a different game for Jimmy G that he had to protect and hold his you-know-whats all the time. He had to call a game that was risk-free, certain things Jimmy didn't do well. You know, I thought Jimmy had kind of played the played out the string there, and, and Kyle couldn't wait as as we saw and heard a year ago that he was out of there. It was only due to act of God that he came back and played it all last year because they had written him off, so they didn't think much of him the right, year before. Right. So I yeah. think, yeah, the Raiders have taken a step back. I I agree with you. I think if the quarterback situation, and I think it's average at best doesn't surprise people i think you could see a five or six win team there as well i agree it just possibly could yeah the the other one um the other one that i wondered about even though they seem to do well anyway there's three teams at 11 and a half wins at the top cincinnati joe burrow i got no problem kansas city pat mahomes no problem san francisco 11 and a half i I wonder this randy does their quarterback luck i don't want to just say it's all luck because they scouted brock purdy and he looked pretty good when he was healthy but does it their luck even saying it runs out is wrong because they had bad luck in the past with injuries. But do you know what I mean? Is this a yeah. this is a team that you know? Does the defense automatically stay great with D'Amico Ryan's leaving? Was he a big part of that or no? They just reload and that's the way they do it. Um, and then, how many games is Purdy playing? What are the alternatives? Are you okay if Sam Darnold goes in or Trey Lance? Do you think they're still a twelve win team? I got you. I I am a little more bullish on them for two reasons. One, I am a Steve Wilkes guy. I think his defense will be good. I think he has enough skins on the wall and enough players in in his fingertips that that defense isn't going to miss a beat. I think on offense, I'm more of a Sam Darnold guy, I think, than probably most rank and file. I think Sam Darnold is, is very functional. I think Kyle Shanahan's offense suits him well. I can make a case okay. for why Sam Darnold, in my opinion, I'm not saying I'm right, in my opinion, why it failed in Carolina. So I, I feel okay about that. The Trey Lance part of it, to me, is just a mystery, and I don't think anybody's counting on him at all. I don't think Kyle Shanahan's counting on him. 
That's just right. the facts. Yeah, so yeah. I think that if he was pinned in a corner right now, his two quarterbacks would be Purdy and Sam Darnold. And I, if Trey Lance comes through, that's a bonus, right? I mean, we, let's face it. We don't have enough information to make that call. So I think the 49ers are still going to be good. I don't have that same doubt that their luck will run out. I think they've, you know, I think there's still room to improve. And they were held back somewhat in some certain areas. And I think this year should be a good year for them. Now, I think the Rams have taken a big step back. I always go back to the competition within their own league, right? Rams bad, Arizona yeah. bad. Seattle average, maybe a little above average. You know, they're, they're, let's say they, they, they go through the division and they're five and one. You know, who's going to beat them? Maybe Seattle beats them one time. So I think that's a big plus. So I, yeah, I, you're I, right. I believe. Yeah, yeah. I believe. I feel, I I feel believe. Good. It, it, it's such a good testament to not only their building of their defense, uh, but Kyle Shanahan as well. Because if you look at these teams at the top uh, and who they're quarterbacked by, top of the wind totals. Burrow, Mahomes, we talked about San Francisco, Josh Allen, Hertz, Herbert, Carr, Rogers, Dak, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and then Miami, who's kind of schemed nicely and has great talent, uh, to have to have just sort of a, yeah, you know, maybe it'll be Purdy. It could be Sam Darnold, you know, we're, we're just not really sure. And then we can make a strong case, like you just did, that we feel good about it. Doesn't that say something? Yeah, it says they kind of know what they're doing. I think you can reverse it as well when you just talk about the quarterbacks and look at the bottom seven or eight teams in that win tonal. And every one of those teams, in my opinion, is almost irrelevant because of the quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> you're you right. Know? We got Sam Howell. We got Minshew. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady plays. retires in Tampa Bay's a 6.5 6. on the Baker on the Baker Mayfield total. is starting. Again, I, I like Baker, but they're irrelevant yeah. now. The yeah. Colts. They're kind of irrelevant now. <laughs> I mean, as talented as they are, they still are going to, it looks like, go with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. The commanders are ir- irrelevant, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, yeah. Sam Howell, you just said it. No chance. I'm not I'm not buying that, you know. Yeah. The Tex- Texans, you know, they're, they don't have anybody now, but they drafted C.J. Stroud. They're, they're down with Arizona, who has no, no legitimate quarterback that's going to make everybody's play rise yeah. and so yeah. those are the teams at the bottom that i just think how fast you can go from the top to the bottom and be irrelevant if you don't have a legitimate quarterback houston i mean god houston after three years of the same gm with drafting a top two quarterback is has the same wins at total as arizona which has kyler murray not playing in a new regime with right. nothing i mean it's amazing like it's just amazing to me so well they're we'll on their third that. head coach what does that tell you yeah right right so <laughs> Who knows? We'll see years. what they do. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Okay, we got a few more notes and newsy little nuggets here. DeAndre Hopkins, remember him? 
remember the frenzy uh, when he was released. My gosh, where here's the top five places he could go. Is paying a free agent visit to the Titans. And I said, Randy, ah, yes, the good old free, you're smiling, the old, good old free agent visit. This used to be a thing in free agency where players would take visits to possibly create a market, or maybe they were serious. You really weren't sure. Uh, but hey, did you hear? You, you know, hey, the, the personnel notice came out, the waiver wire came out. Hey, uh, so and so brought in such and such for a visit. Ooh, wow, the mystery of the visit, Randy. Uh, we can talk about Hopkins to the Titans and the visit, but let's, we can talk about visits too. Yeah, no, I hear you. Much. It did bring a smile to my face when I heard he was going to take a visit because you're right. It's a dying exercise, right? It's like the fullback. It's gone the way of, of a lot of things that we all love in, in football. And the, having run front offices and other places, free agent visits were a big thing. Back in the day when this started out, we would have the likes of Kenny G, who's a Seattleite. He produced a video and a sax uh, whole scene for for recording the the great virtues of Seattle in the area. Come on, why, why for a free agent be, visit? Yes, why it would be a, a great opportunity for someone to come and all the Pacific Northwest facts. He 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 did a video in a suite in the Kingdom for us to entice these. And we make these free agent visits video. start with, we would give them a tape that they would watch it in their hotel room. We'd have it all set up A hype up tape? A Kenny G yeah. hype tape? Yeah. I'm telling you, it was a big deal. And and these visits don't happen anymore because it is all about money for the most case. So, you know, do, I, do you I, think I, Do you think Tom Firmstead would have that video? The, uh, Tom Firmstead was the old video guy for the CIA. Where can we get that video? I mean, that's a, that would be awesome. Probably in my garage in a box. I mean, that's how oh. we kept it all. They were, they were pretty cool, actually. VHS, and, and, probably? VHS, a hundred percent. We yeah. didn't have beta back in those days. So, hey, <laughs> I I I like the fact that they're connecting a few dots here. They're recruiting. You know, yeah. Mike Vrabel was in Houston when when DeAndre yeah. Hopkins was there. So connect a few of those dots. They have eight million in salary cap space. Last time I checked, they've got some room to make a deal like this. And guess what? If he went there, he'd be their best, most accomplished receiver right now. So there is a case to be made for for. Tennessee to be a great spot for DeAndre Hopkins. Now, like you said, maybe he's going there with the ID. He's got to press some levers somewhere else that this gets the ball rolling there. But if I'm Tennessee and I really want this guy, I may roll out the red carpet for DeAndre Hopkins and, and not only do the hype video, but the, the check across the boardroom uh, table, yeah. the whole bit, and not let him leave town because I think he could make a difference for them oh, and he yeah. may be a great fit. So I was going to ask you, too, because I feel like the way the Titans went late last season and just the way sort of everything is, it kind of feels like we're, you know, putting dirt on them a little bit, right? It was a tough ending. And is it the end of this little window they've had where they've been, uh, you know, a pretty good team and and really beaten expectations? I just want to ask you a question. Do you think that Ryan Tannehill's kind of done or do you think with a Hopkins, with enough around him that he can still be fine? Well, I think he can be functional. I think he can be a playoff quarterback. I don't know okay. what they do long-term because this yeah. is the last year of his deal. The hard yeah. part for me is getting this statement out of my mind. When they questioned Mike Vrabel last year so many times about, are you guys ever going to throw the ball? Are we ever going to get it downfield? Are we going to just run this you know, right into the <laughs> ground? And you remember what his comment was? Yeah, who, who do you think, got? who you want us to throw it to? <laughs> that was, he was insinuating that they had no receivers. So he, that was his comeback to the player, to the, to the uh, reporter was who do you want us to throw it to? We have nobody. So maybe this had a lot to do with, you know, obviously their GM lost his job during last season as well. 
questionable things uh, team building wise to draft a quarterback in the third round that is a year away from a year away who might be another year away. You know, those kind of moves set you back. And their receiving core, to me, was subpar. It was, uh, I mean, you know, we make fun of the fact that they're thrown to a bunch of neighbor kids on this podcast in the past, but they had a lot of neighbor kids. And I like Burks. I think Burks is going to be a decent player. But I do think Hopkins would be a really good guy to fit with him for right now for what's available. I like the idea of these teams being aggressive in June still trying to build their team, still trying to build some some depth somewhat. But this is a frontline player who he may not be the, the the number one receiver that he was for a long part of his career. But, you know, we broke down the film last week on the podcast, and I still think there's some, some tread left on the tire. So I yeah. like the fact that he's making the visit. Of course, I like the visits themselves. I'll be honest with you, Mike, this was a chance for me as a GM to include the whole staff in these visits. We, yeah, yeah. We, pull, we would have people making gift baskets. We would have, it was old school, man. <laughs> I mean, we did it all. We would send flowers to the wife back home. We would take care of, send her a care package. We would do wow. everything like the colleges. You know, yeah. they were always limited a little bit by budget back in the day or by rules. We could recruit and could pay. So we had no rules, no money, no no budget for anything. We could we could actually pay and buy players, and this just helped us along the way. I know it got us some players in Seattle who, at that point, you know, late eighties, early nineties, people thought we were in Anchorage, right? So we had oh, to yeah. go out of our way to to get our to get people's attention. I'm surprised more teams don't do that, but the NFL has gained a lot of footing since then too. Nashville has a lot better musical options too, a lot more yeah. than uh, than. I mean, no offense to Kenny G, you know, uh, excellent talent. <laughs> well, back uh, in the '90s, Kenny G was big, Kenny's but hot, yes, you're man. right. Kenny there there are big. a lot of things going, and Nashville is a hot, fancy, fast-growing city, especially for younger money. You know, my son plays the saxophone. His girlfriend got him, and we live in the Seattle area. Got him a uh, uh, ticket to go see Kenny G like this year. Oh and really? He, he, yeah, and he comes out and he plays. I guess I don't know a lot about playing the saxophone, but apparently, like some guys can play and then be inhaling while they're playing, so they could play continuously. So he comes out and he plays for like four minutes exactly straight, like or wow. five minutes straight, and he's walking up and down these stairs and all over the place. Oh. And then uh, my son had one of those. Uh, I guess there's an app on your phone where you can measure the integrity of a note. Like it's hard to hold a note for an extended period of time in music, apparently, right? Right. And, and he was holding it like exactly, you know, for like the longest period of time. So it was kind of yeah. a, ended up being kind of a fun night. There's some division in the, in the saxophone world over where to, of, over how great Kenny actually, Kenny G actually is. Uh, oh, that's really? actually a thing. Yeah, there's some stuff. Well, there's, we're trying to say he's Millie Vanilli or what, well, I mean, what, what's I the equivalent the of a sax player? Were, I don't think the players you were bringing in, you know, would, would maybe necessarily know all of those. Well, they did back then. Yeah, back then, back then he awesome. was riding high. Yeah. Kenny G was <laughs> maybe not high. now. <laughs> no, no, he. I think he, yeah, he's great. I, I love yeah. that little tidbit. So, hey, one uh, one move that did get made uh, was Leonard Floyd going to the Bills. He had been released by the Rams. I had nine sacks last season for the Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, he signed after June, which doesn't really matter in the free agency comp pick equation because he was a released player. He wasn't an unrestricted free agent technically. His contract didn't expire. But yep. does this move move the needle for you on Buffalo, a team that? You know, like you said, some are perceiving to have their window closing a little bit here. Well, you you know how I am with these veteran signings. I like it. We've talked about it here on the show. I love the fact that this is a little insurance against maybe something happening with Vaughn Miller. But if not, you're talking about two guys on the edge that can surely go get the passer. I just think 
Brandon Bean is is doing his job every day, and I like that. I like these teams that are still grinding, trying to find these players. I think, like you said, if Leonard Floyd is healthy, his numbers speak for themselves. He's got some impressive numbers. Yeah, he does. Uh, he has 29 sacks over the past three years. That's 10th in the league. The guys ahead of him, you've heard of him, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Hassan Reddick, Dre Hendrickson, Matt Judon, Nick Bosa, Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, and Brian Burns. So not really bad company. And then, by the way, I saw another note this week. Von Miller could be back for week one, so maybe he's they bring him along slowly, the luxury at that position. Right, Randy? You can mix him in, get him a certain amount of reps, put him in some packages. But uh, on paper, having uh, Leonard Floyd with Von Miller isn't a bad thing. Not a bad thing, especially when you double down with the signing of Ed Oliver to a, like you said, four-year, $64 million deal. So, Do you like Bills, that deal? Yeah. I like it. I do like it because okay. I think it's, a. again, you cannot find Ed Olivers. They don't grow on trees. Defensive linemen are valuable. And this is a big dude that can play the run, play the pass. Not only that, he was going to enter into a, his last year of a deal. They they could have used a tag on him next year. And I think that number right now is like $18 million. This deal's better than that for both parties because you can really plan now. You know how when you sign these big money deals, you can plan your cap out. Um, I think he's a really yeah. good player. And again, this clearly shows that they value these defensive linemen. They they took some criticism from some analysts by letting Edmonds, the, the uh, linebacker, go to Chicago. I right. can understand that if you view him strictly as an inside linebacker. I've said all along, I think he could be a better pass rusher than they used him. But again, I think, I think what Buffalo is doing with kind of keeping all their talent as they can there, adding to it. I guess my question to you is, is because Sean McDermott now the focal point or, or the focal, you know, uh, the, the driver of that defense, does this mean anything different to you that they are spending this money on defense? Would they have done this if Leslie Frazier was in charge as well? Or is this a kind of a, hey, let's let's load up on defense now. It's just the time, place, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. I kind of have perceived McDermott to probably be the driver anyway, even though I Leslie Frazier was it on on game day. Like as the head coach, I would think he would have a real, uh, you know, but it's maybe it's a more direct voice uh, on it or a more unfiltered one uh, or just a, a direct one from him. So uh, going to be interesting to see because that defense, you know, at critical times, that's what we really want to see this year, right, Randy? At the critical yeah. times, how they how they come for, come through with the game on the line. They're probably going to be pretty good uh, during the regular season. I think what it tells me is they were going to be worse without Ed Oliver, for sure. They were going to take a step back no matter how they decided if he wasn't going to be there a year from now. This yeah. solidifies that. I think Vaughn Miller's deal makes him somewhat, you know, tied there for the next year or two. The back end of that deal, the stakes are really high and who knows how long he'll be there. But it gives them a window of one or two years here to keep their best players. And let's make a run. Let's load up. Let's even raise the expectations. Let's don't say the window is closing. Let's add to it. And this, I like the philosophy of keeping our best players. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I can't remember. Is there a... Do we have anything in the GM notebook this week, or do we? We do not. Of- we don't have a GM notebook this week. Yeah, that's. The, the, we'll close on this. I, I thought one of the last headlines uh, uh, was this: former Vikings minority owner Reggie Fowler gets a six-year jail term. And one of the great thing, one of the things I loved about doing this <laughs> podcast with you, Randy, is like, <laughs> like almost everybody or everything you know or you have a connection with. Uh, and so uh, Reggie Fowler had been. He's basically being sentenced uh six-year sentence for a crypto scheme that misled the alliance of american football uh 
into thinking his worth was much greater. He was a backer uh, of the alliance, and of course, you were with the uh, Houston Houston franchise, right? Salt Lake. Salt. I'm sorry, Salt Lake franchise. Yes. Um, Salt Lake franchise of the alliance, and so um, I when I saw this headline, I thought, oh, I wonder if Randy's got any Fowler stories. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you got? Well, I, I saw this this note too, and I would gladly talk about it. I did get to know Reggie. I don't know the nuance, nuances of this case. I don't know the reasons he's going to jail. I, I have no idea what that's all about. But my association with Reggie was that of very positive, and I thought it was a unique story in that, yes, he was an investor in the AAF. He came up with some money at a time when the AAF needed some money. And one of his tasks were that, Yes, we had the Salt Lake team in Salt Lake, and we had no facilities. We didn't have any place that anybody really wanted us. The University of Utah didn't really want to share anything with a, a spring yeah. league team. Yeah. It was a tough spot for us just because we weren't really the most welcome people in town, right, in Salt Lake. So it was a little bit of a reach for us. But Reggie came to the to the forefront in that he had an idea, and, and he worked – with the AAF. And so he, as an investor, he kind of looked out for a couple teams and we were one of his teams. He said, let me do, let me take care of your facilities. What he did was we rented, oh, I want to say it's, it's almost like a warehouse in a strip mall. And what <laughs> yeah. he did was he bought ship containers from LA that had come empty and were sitting abandoned in some shipyard in LA, had them shipped to Salt Lake and built in these ship containers locker rooms, showers, um, weightlifting facilities. So picture within this warehouse are these ship containers inside the warehouse. And then inside the shipping containers were little meeting rooms, were little all kinds of crazy (sighs) venue. It's the most unique setup I'd ever seen. And when they gave me this idea, he, he said, can bear with me. I said, I'm thinking to myself, this guy's nuts. There's no way this This is a football team. You know, we're not, he pulled it off. Now, what I the question I had is when the AAF folded, what happened to all the ship containers uh, exactly. and, and the setup for an office? It was it really wasn't our office, but it was the home for the players' dressing rooms. It was a weight room facility. It was showers. It was like a bunch of trailers inside a, a warehouse. I don't know if I'm doing it justice by no, breaking great. it down, but it, it, it's great because I think those facilities actually beat a few of the NFL teams in the player poll uh, for the best <laughs> facilities. So uh, <laughs> good yeah. work there. I think he, he did the whole thing for an unbelievable cheap amount and it actually worked for us. So that's, that's my Reggie Fowler connection. And he may be, you know, uh, yeah, he, going he to jail for something that I have no idea about. But our my association with him was that one of positive that, hey, he bailed us out of yeah. Salt Lake in a spring league where we had no chance to even – take a shower and, and change. We were looking for locker rooms. <laughs> Isn't that the charm, though, of some of these upstart leagues? I misspoke earlier that you were in Houston, but that was with the XFL, right? Yeah, right, in the XFL that's correct. Houston. But, um, you know, each one of these places, you, you know, you're in it for the team building and the football and ah. the challenge of it. And as long as it's a, a somewhat equal playing field, you know, you're in. But the playing fields aren't equal, and each one of these <laughs> situations is different. And I, I remember when you were – uh, with the Seahawks and they were uh, going to try to relocate the team to LA and you're doing free agency out of an elementary school parking lot or, you know, these are just sort of the, the trunk of a car. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> these are the stories that, yeah. that, you know, make it the, that really humanize uh, uh, all of this. So that's great. I wonder where those are. I mean, I, I don't know. Kind of uh, funny. Next time I talk to Bill Polian, I'm going to ask him because he was the one that was really the commissioner in the AAF. Yeah, he yeah. apologized to me after this season 
He said, we gave you no chance in New Salt Lake. He said, I understand that. He, and we built a 500-ish yeah. type team, but you're right. Facilities yeah. aren't equal. Things yeah. weren't equal. But people learned from right. that. And that's why the XFL last year, the 3.0 version of it, was in Dallas, where everybody trained. And it was fairly equal. So it does mean something. Wonder, you're right. Uh, yeah, if you can get a hold of that thing. I mean, my boys are getting to be the age they could use an apartment or something. Maybe they, we could rent <laughs> yeah. out, lease out that container. My uh, guess is the rent probably didn't get paid, so the, the <laughs> landlord in that strip mall owns these, and there might be in his backyard or some vacant lot in yeah. East Salt Lake or something. You know? That's great. That's really good. Love it. Love it. Well, hey, you get it all here on the Football GM <laughs> Podcast. We get a little golf. We get some facilities uh, in a- Shipping containers. Shipping containers. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing. So uh, that's what we got. If you want to find my work or Randy Mueller's work, you can certainly find it at The Athletic. And then uh, on Twitter, Randy's at Randy Mueller underscore. I'm at Sando NFL. I think we'll talk to you next week. I'm going to take a, a trip through some training camps or some uh, mandatory camps uh, next week. And I think that'll be our last show probably until uh, we get going for training camps. So I look forward to it. more of these, it'll be. Yeah. It's been great and it will continue to be. We'll talk to everybody next time. This was the Athletic Football Show. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.